0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and a lot to cover as the week is uh, winding down. Hope people are going to have a great weekend uh, this weekend. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for the daily email. Comes into your email box Monday through Friday. 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. So you want to sign up there. Go to Ed Martin, excuse me, proamericareport.com. Put in your email address. I promise I don't sell it. I don't rent it. I don't try to, uh, uh, do anything with it. I just send it Monday through Friday. I send you this email. It's got a little bit of what you need to know, a little bit of links, some things to, to track to. And, uh, we call it the wink, what you need to know. And that is what we're going to talk about right now. By the way, in a few moments, we have a couple of great interviews. As always, we get these great guests that want to come on and talk to us. We'll talk with our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik. He's got a piece in American greatness. And then, as a follow-up to my conversation, or my monologue to you all early in the week, we will talk with David Horowitz, who has been targeted uh, for, I don't know what, being not liberal, I guess, um, and we'll talk about that. All right, but what you need to know today, I want to walk through uh, something, and I want to take, take an opportunity to uh, kind of echo my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly. Okay. And so the late Phyllis Schlafly was an incredible writer. She wrote, pardon me, she wrote um, regular, so regularly in her life. When she died, she actually had um, was working on a column in the last almost hours of her life. And she wrote a piece back. In, and so what she would do is write a weekly column. She would do radio commentaries. And she would once a month put together the Phyllis Schlafly report from 1967 until she died in, in 2016. Every month, the Phyllis Schlafly Report, people get it in their, mail, in their mailbox, what's called snail mail. For the kids out there that don't know what snail mail is, it comes into your mailbox at the end of the driveway. Or your P.O. box, if you don't have a mailbox. And uh, Phyllis did that from 1967 all the way until she, when she died in 2016. And in the 70s, she sometimes did two a month. But the Phyllis Schlafly Report, kind of famous. Well, there's a Phyllis Schlafly Report, and she would take up topics in depth. And she would you know lay out, in usually eight pages, what was going on. In 2012... After Romney lost in December, so December twenty twelve, a month or so after Romney lost, Phyllis wrote a piece in the top and the Phyllis Schlafly report, and the title of the Phyllis Schlafly report was "Our Task: Educate Grassroots and Leaders." Educate grassroots and leaders. So here's my here's my thought. On Friday, Elise Stefanik, the Congresswoman from New York, was elected to replace Liz Cheney as the conference chair of the Republican Party. Now, the media is obsessed with this topic because they're trying to distract us from what's really going on, which is, of course, inflation, uh, wars in the Middle East, Iran on the move for trying to get more power, uh, gas shortages in America because of, uh, terrorist acts, uh, by, uh, by, uh, you know, kind of, um, uh, pirates, you know, internet pirates. All these things are going on. And they're trying to distract us. The media wants us to focus on Liz Cheney. The Republicans have zero power in the House right now. But this is somehow a big deal who's in leadership. But here's why it's important for us. Elise Stefanik has... um been elected to replace Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney basically lost her position, which is supposed to be... Conference chair is supposed to be sort of the messaging guru, one of the people that's the face of the party. And Liz Cheney basically lost because she began echoing all the liberal and media talking points about the election, about Donald Trump, and all that. And she just she was not a party... She wasn't a team player. But I don't even want to talk about that anymore. What I want to do is I want to say to Elise Stefanik, you, you took this position and the um most important thing right now is for you to do better for america for the country and in in my opinion in the republican party is of the two parties better than the other one it's more conservative so you have a big job it's a really cool thing that happened and i'm not going to i'm not going to dwell on some of your bad positions in the past you know i think you were for amnesty deals i don't think you were as conservative so because here's what Phyllis taught in that uh december 2012 uh at Phyllis Schlafly report we, our job is to gr- educate the leaders. Our job is to tell you what we know to be true, and we expect you to respond, and we expect you to understand. In fact, Phyllis's subtitle on that Phyllis Lab report was Political Parties Need Rebranding and New Leadership. So uh, what I'm going to say is put your past behind you. I'm with you. Now let's talk about what Elise Stefana can do for America and for the party, because here's the thing about her. And people said, oh, she's not conservative enough. She's from New York, she is from New York. She's not going to be as conservative as I am because she's from New York. That's life. You can wish it was different. You can, and I'm not, I'm not excusing it. She, she is, she's is, she was as conservative as she could be and win in New York. But here's what she did do. She decided two years ago, 18 months ago, that she had seen enough of what the media was doing to Donald Trump. And in the first impeachment, she was, she was fearless, she was fearless in fighting for Donald Trump. She was. She took a lot of slings and arrows. You know, there's lots of things being written about her that all these friends of hers that used to like her, Democrats, when she was sort of more moderate, they hate her now and they say terrible things about her. They've gone back and revised their things. Oh, we used to say, you know, three and a half years ago they said, oh, she's really thoughtful. She's the future. Now they say she's a terrible person, literally. And here's the thing about her: she stood up and fought. She stood up and fought. That matters. No disrespect to Chip Roy, the congressman who ran to try to take this spot too. He 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 has also been a fighter, but he I think he was against Trump a couple times. But that's okay. But he's a fighter from a place where it's easy to be a fighter. She actually had to go and stand out. And my point is, she's now been tested. She'll be tested more. But here's what we should do: if we want her to lead this party, and you're a conservative and you're saying, "Hey, I want to be a member of that party. I want I want the Republican Party to embrace where I and most Americans are." On the conservative side of the aisle, we have to explain it to her. We have to educate it to her. We have to educate her because the big tent of any party can hold the other, you know, the outliers if they want to stay, but it can't lose the core. And the core of the Republican Party, I would describe to her, is very much an America First party, meaning we prioritize our people over other people we're not embarrassed to be selfish for americans we want to pick american jobs we want to pick american patents we want to pick american ideals we want we we believe that america first is a worthwhile thing we recognize within that by the way that america first one of the biggest threats to america first is the communist regime not a small threat even if wall street wishes we could trade with them and do all kinds of things it's a big threat that's one, of our, that's one of our America First principles, is recognize the communist regime is a threat. Second thing is recognize that these multilateral organizations are a threat to we the people. So we have to educate Elise Stefanik and other leaders. Because here's what we got with her. She's a young woman, pretty articulate, a fighter for Trump. And now she can be, if she wants, a good conservative for the American people, if we educate her. We, we need someone who's fearlessly pro-life who understands you can be pro-life and still be kind to people and friendly and all. And that's a big deal, actually. That's a big deal, because a lot of them just want to say they're pro-life and not lead on it. Trump showed he could. Paul Ryan didn't. John Boehner didn't. Certainly Nancy Pelosi doesn't. So we want people in leadership who say, yeah, I want to be fearlessly pro-life. I'm not afraid of that, because I know how to talk about that, meaning express yourself well, that attracts most Americans, doesn't detract we want people also who are willing to help everybody come up that you know th- this is team america and it's exciting when the team america includes women men black white who cares it's exciting it's exciting we're happy to have them we we are a melting pot country but when we come together we come together for the american ideals at the heart of things the constitution is founded on judeo christian principles it's not founded on mush It's not founded on materialism. It's not founded on secularism. It's not. So our opportunity for the American people and for the and for the people that want to believe that the Republican Party can embody the the beliefs they have, the principles they have. This is a chance to teach because it's not lost on Elise Stefanik or anybody else how quickly the people moved away from Liz Cheney. She knows, Elise Stefanik does, it's a Trump party. She sees that. And while she's got down the fight for our side, fight for against the left, down, she's got that down. She's not afraid of that. She's been through the meat grinder. What we have to do is take the chance, take the opportunity. When I say chance, take the opportunity to say, hey, what do we really believe? And in Phyllis's Phyllis's, uh, Phyllis Schlafly report, which I'll post uh, in from 2012, she quotes Reagan at the 1975 CPAC speech, one of the earliest CPAC meetings, and he talks about the, the disastrous election that happened in uh, the, before that and the significance, the significance of what has gone on. And it's great. I'll put it up on social media. We're out of time for this segment. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin on a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik and uh, see what he's got going. He's got a piece up... Uh, let me see how long ago. It was a day or two ago. I always check his stuff, and then I wonder when... I, yeah, a couple days ago. It's The title is Systemic Racism, Chicago Style. So welcome back, Ted Malik. How are you today? I'm
2: great, thanks.
1: Do you have gas where you are? Do you have gasoline?
2: <laughs> could take that two ways. Uh, uh,
1: yes. Okay,
2: California good. And, and are gas. you where... Depends oh yeah, California beat five dollars a gallon <laughs> yeah. right
1: now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. not good. And and uh, and and Joe Biden says you can take your mask off if you're vaccinated, but but your governor Newsom says you can't. So uh, I guess California really is um, you know is a, is a different world. But uh, all right, so um, let's before we get to that, uh, Ted, you're you're among other things. We're talking with Ted Malik, He's a, a businessman, has taught, written many books, um, the economy. How worried are you about the economy, Ted? We've talked before, and the fundamentals of the economy seem strong, stronger than anybody could screw up. But what's your feeling right now?
2: Well, the last part of your twist there, I think, says it all. Then anyone can screw up. And, in fact, that's what they're doing, screwing it up. So I'll just give you a tip that my article next week is about sound money and inflation. And where we're going in the tax has been Biden era, which is more or less to a worthless dollar. So, you know, you ought to prepare for that and take the measures you need to adjust.
1: Hmm. All right. That's what well, I'll look forward to that column. All right. Let's talk about systemic racism. I have said that the only systemic racism in America that I see is the public school teachers unions and what they do to and where I come from St. Louis. Um, you know, the, the school system, it's just devastatingly bad for mostly black kids, you know, and it's, it's crazy. And yet the school teachers unions are the one group that keeps this system the way it is. So your, your argument is there's some there's some systemic racism in Chicago. Walk us through that.
2: Well, yeah. I, I, I must say that I like Chicago. I've been there, you know, a dozen times. A lot of people from Chicago I know are the Chicago area. I'm, I'm, but I'm a, an unbiased and objective observer of what's happening happened in Chicago because it's not my hometown. Um, well, we've heard a lot about systemic racism in the last year. And, um, I mean, the U.N. ambassador recently said it was deadly. So that got me thinking. I said, it's deadly indeed. Uh, And if you look at the place where it's most heavy, that would be the Windy City. 30% black population, uh, some of the strongest gun control laws in the country. Now, do you think that the criminals might not be obeying those laws? You know, uh, possibly. And then I said, well, let's do a deep dive. Let's really look at what's happening in Chicago, because this should be fact-based. And the numbers are astounding. The numbers, again, they keep going up and up and up. Homicide rate. 18.6% 18.6% per 100,000. It's actually more homicides and shooting victims than New York City and Los Angeles combined. Uh, mm. It's very, very sad. And, uh, and then I, 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 I dug a little deeper. The thing that stands out is that almost every shooter and every homicide victim actually did the mass 97.7% are black. So mm. how could this be systemic racism? The mayor is black. Superintendent of police is black. State's attorney is black. Chief judge is black. Attorney general is black. The Fire department commissioner is black. Board president is black. Senate majority leader is black. Lieutenant governor is black. State uh, secretary is black. Clerk of the court is black. Um, The treasurer is black, the police board president is black, the transit authority is black, (laughs) the CEO of Chicago Public Schools. I mean, everyone in Chicago that has any clout whatsoever is black. There are exactly zero Republicans on the Chicago City Council. So I said, well, how long has that gone on? William Hale Thompson was the last Republican mayor of Chicago in 1931. Eighty-nine years complete democrat control in chicago and the budget of course is nearly uh, you know a billion dollars uh, out of black and in deficit so how can you explain this to me how is it possible for republicans donald trump white people to be responsible for chicago's horrendously dismal and unsafe conditions how is that possible it isn't it's not logical it's still horrific it is still cruel and it's still self-destructive i'm not suggesting and I'm not laughing this away. This is a very, very serious problem. So I kept digging, I kept digging, and I kept digging. And I found out that, uh, you know, African-American males, uh, between the ages of 15 and 34, they are responsible for 70% of the city's homicide, you know, victims. And, and nonetheless, they're just 4% of the population. Uh, so Chicago is not working. The statistics show it. it's getting worse and worse year in and year out. But it's Chicago's Democrat Party black elite officialdom that is responsible. And I'm suggesting they don't give a damn about Chicago's black population.
1: We're talking with uh, Ted Malik. A
2: lot of responses, yeah.
1: Uh, that's what i was gonna i was gonna ask you that next because you write a lot and you write a lot and i like it all the time but sometimes i think things get more noticed what what was the give me the response i mean were you attacked more than you were uh praised or were people encouraging you and your courage or well, I, what was the give me some I, sense I, I, of the uh, response yeah
2: there's like ten thousand responses, uh, including requests to do <laughs> uh, radio shows um I think the response overall is, well, thank you for digging and getting to the bottom of this. Why doesn't anybody ever say this? Well, and the um, article, you know, with right? Chicago status quo doesn't work you have to try something else. Because, yes, black lives, even in Chicago, do matter.
1: And then huh, the question uh,
2: is, there you, you know, go. In terms of a solution, <laughs> you know, how do you solve right. it?
1: Yeah. Well, and but here's the question I have. Um, you know, usually, usually in history, um, these things will will ebb and flow because people will get sick of it, right? They'll say, you know, mm-hmm. there was a woman, an um, African-American woman who was, um, I think it might have even been in Loudoun County, Virginia, who was uh, on on camera, and she was telling the school board there, I don't want to be, uh, I, this this critical race theory, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do me any good as an African-American, I'm sick of it. And you know, you saw there's a woman that ran for, it was running for lieutenant governor in Virginia, Winsome Sears, she appeared on Fox News, and she said, the critical race Theory is, is, you know, it's they—they it, they think it helps uh, black people, doesn't help black people, and you would think in these cities they would, at a certain point, they would. Um they would, you know, try something else, and yet they don't. And and is the reason they don't, in your estimation, because the the system is so good at keeping them trapped in it? Is it because we have the media and big tech telling us that everybody's racist, so people are are you know are unified on that and, and therefore stay? I mean, don't shouldn't we have had our cities? I mean, you know, look, New York went to to hell. Pardon me. In the nineties, uh, they got Rudy, and Rudy cleaned up the streets, and and they ebbed and flowed. But it doesn't look like these cities are are, are ever changing. Changing.
2: no but there is something in common with the majority of these cities they are all controlled by democratic party machines they have mayors mm-hmm. and in some cases governors that are long democrats and in the case of the larger cities they're all now basically run by black mayors so you'd think that they would have the wherewithal in their own hands to say look you know this is not working uh we've right. got to go somewhere else we've got to try something different uh i mean this 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 plague of urban warfare is illogical uh how can we get rid of these conditions and it's it would be difficult i mean so the long-term solutions i i think i heard people talk about this uh glenn lowry you know soul very articulate people have talked about this economists. It involves substantial, deep cultural change, shoring up what we call mediating structures of society. So you need a family with two parents, a father at home. Don't have that presently. You need churches, mm-hmm. temples. You need charter schools. You need school of choice. You need robust civic associations. Now, all those things, uh, and the left doesn't want those things, by the way. All those things right. take effort, and they take decades to yield results. I think they're still imperative. But the, it is a long, long-term solution. So maybe this is a short-term you know, solution. This is where this is where I got in trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, 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 there's a there's a book out, um, uh, Ted, by a new friend of mine. It's called "The Decline of Nations: Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World." Joe Johnston is the author. He's a retired uh, lawyer, and he's just very smart. And he's probably in his eighties, I think. But I had lunch with him a well, few he's weeks ago. Keep my talking best about friends. it. He's one of oh, my best is he? Friends Oh but good know. Well, you know how you, you know how wise he is, and so when I tell you that I asked him, I said, "What do we do about what's going on and he's kind of shook his head and he said it's tough because we have about thirty or forty years of malformed young people you know that are coming up mm-hmm. through this education system, yeah. and they just don't believe and and he said he almost said he didn 't quite say this i 'm putting words in his mouth he that that it's going to get worse because these young people are you know, they're 15 and they don't know any better. They, they really don't know that socialism is bad. And so, you know, what is, that seems pretty um, bleak.
2: Well, the short term answer for me is to encourage the movement of endangered black male populations in the affected age group, from Chicago and other vicious cities to other locations. And I don't mean that in math, I'm not talking about you know Indian reservations or something stupid. I'm saying every life you save by moving them to smaller towns or safer places, actually you'll see the homicide rates go down and more importantly, their lives would be spared. The same I would say is true with getting all children, but particularly the affected group we're talking about out of the public school system.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. I think you're right. By the way, we're talking with Ted Malick, and the, the, the very end of your piece, that short-term answer paragraph. I'm sure that got you the most uh, m- much of the attention. But um, in the in the in the short term, if you just run the math. You, you, if you were a young black male, it's just too risky. You, you, even if you're not thinking about the risk of dying or being shot, the risk of succeeding is so low. You, you ought to try anything else. I mean, that's the reality. And and yet, and again, back to my point. Yet, th- they don't want to try it. I mean, you got you people like Obama who want to give le- lectures on how you know how how great we're doing or how we can do better if we have reparations or whatever. When th- these kids are every day, we're losing more and more of them. So, uh, good column, a uh, uh, good one. I'm now I'm looking forward, Ted, to the next one be- on the uh, what's going on with the. <laughs> our money supply and our economy. So thanks, Ted Malik, as always. We'll talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, Ted. All right. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Very uh, glad to welcome my old friend David Horowitz back. We talked about him earlier in the week a couple times. I keep coming back to it because it was so... Um, his, the piece that he uh, wrote on FrontPageMag.com, his website, uh, on May, Monday, May 10th, it's just, to me, it's... Um, well, it's a fascinating moment. And, uh, of course, he's the author of a new book, The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America. He's written dozens of books, uh, prolific writer. Some of his best books are his memoirs. He's got two or three memoirs. They're phenomenal. Uh, so welcome back, David. How are you? Thanks, man. I'm pretty good. So, David, these, this, this piece you wrote is about um, some uh, former friends of yours or uh, associates of yours, Ron Radosh years. and Saul Stern. Yeah, seventy years. I Saul Stern for seventy years, uh, and yeah, I and think they it's
3: wrote, fairly uh, typical of what's happening. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the only liberals in America are conservatives. We're the only people who want to hear two sides to a conversation, right. want to argue about what the truth is. The other side just wants to obliterate us. I mean, we, we call it the cancel culture. Um, right. But it's it's really a lot worse than that. And my book, The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America, is about how the Democrat Party um, was taken over over a 50-year period by people I used to know in the left when I was, I was raised as a you new know, white communist and I was a leader of the new left of the 60s. And I left it when I realized it's not about peace or justice. It's a hate America left. Um, they are now in control of the Democrat party. And I don't think, I mean, conservatives are waking up, uh, but not fast enough. Uh, these people are fascists. The Democrat party has worked for the last several decades, actually to create a one party state, uh, Republicans are still calling uh, legislation like the the Orwellian-named For the People Act. They call it a power grab. It's it's a bid to create a one-party state. That's what they're about. They're dismantling our democratic system, small d, the American system, the constitutional system, they uh, want to stack the Supreme Court, which would destroy the independence of the judiciary, and take out the linchpin of our checks and balances system. we want to abolish the Electoral College, which was designed by the founders to force us to compromise, because the thing they feared right. the most was the country would be torn apart by political factions. So it forces presidential candidates. To, to compete in battleground states where they don't have a natural majority the way the Democrats do in California and New York. That forces them to try to win votes from people who don't fully agree with them. In other words, it forces them to compromise. It's a fundamental basis of the democracy that we have enjoyed for so many years, and the Democrats want to destroy it. They demonized their opponents, if you demonize your opponents, you can't, you can't do bipartisan work with them. You're calling them traitors and uh, mm-hmm. white supremacists. Uh, the January 6th event in the Capitol is, is crystallizes this problem. You know, Trump, in his speech, he said, he you to demonstrate peacefully and patriotically. Right. What I want you to do is stiffen the spines of weak Republicans who won't challenge what's obviously a weak election. Um, Right. Challenging the election caused Nancy Pelosi to call Republicans enemies of the state. Um, The demonstration inside (laughs) the Capitol was trespassing. It was extremely mild compared to all the left-wing burnings of our cities last summer, which the Democrats fully supported. Uh, they called it, what did they call it? An armed insurrection.
1: Armed, no, armed no insurrection. Yeah.
3: Sound. They didn't burn no, it. No insurrection. They didn't really yeah, destroy no. anything. And the only person right. who was killed was a Trump supporter who was a 14-year Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt who was murdered, and her murder was videoed by an Hispanic journalist who they put in jail for for being there. Um, right. They have covered the identity of Nancy Pelosi's accomplice to this murder. She's protected the identity of the Capitol Police officer who murdered Babbitt, and the... Right incredibly corrupt justice department under Biden uh, has already said they're not going to press any charges against this Capitol police officer. Uh, they, meanwhile, she orders, then she orders 25,000 troops into the Capitol at a cost of half a billion dollars for no particular reason. I mean, there's no specified threat. They're there right. to intimidate, to, to create this charade in which Republicans are extremist terrorists, domestic terrorists, and enemies of the state. This is a very dangerous party, Democrats. They have to be extremely well,
1: incompetent as well, so we have all these crises now. Of uh, course. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but David, I want—I want before we—I want to talk more about that. But I, again, we're talking with David Horowitz, and his new book is uh, is called "The Enemy Within: How a Totalitarian Movement Is Destroying America." But I want to ask you about this. These are two of your friends for almost seventy years. They're two friends, and they write a cover story in the New Republic, which is you know a, that's not a small publication. It's it's gotten to be less important because it's uh, it's online and all. But it, you know, I mean, it, everybody finds their own venue, and it's and that's one that's got some you know it's um it's got some cachet on the left. And again, you know, uh, uh, by the way. Uh, David Horowitz wrote this all up on frontpagemag.com, his website, which is really good to read. But, David, I want to ask you about the end, because when you write your column reacting to it, what it does strike me this is the point. They wrote the entire article. They didn't say anything that you said or did was unlawful, but they finished by saying... We call upon the government to investigate Horowitz and see if they can find something in his, in his, in his uh, Horowitz center and, and, and jerk his chain. I mean, it's blatant that they're calling on the government it's, it's to fascism. enforce their it's, preference. By,
3: my title
1: was, my, my, was it my,
3: my former friends that joined the fascists. What was my crime? Right. Questioning right. the election results. I mean, you know, we just had, had You can the Democrats. Not only did they try to fix the election, but they revealed themselves by fighting to the death against any audit of the election result. No, nobody can say the election was not stolen because there's been no audit of the results. Thanks to the Democrats and weak Republicans, and you know, in Arizona, they showed that there. Democrats deleted the records. Why would you delete the records? Why would you call people who question the election result traitors? They tried to throw Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz out of the Senate for questioning the election result when Democrats have questioned every single Republican presidential victory since 1980. That's the reality. Of course, they've never accepted... The, Trump is a legitimate president so they're, they're rank hypocrites they get away with this because of course of the media but they also get away with it because Republicans what the Republicans call them? They call Republicans armed insurrectionists uh, right. <laughs> right. enemies of the state the white supremacists racists and Republicans call them liberals heck you can't win that that war they're not right, they're right. not liberals i mean i've said this that many times they're they're convicted bigots yeah I, the, I, um, it's one thing to argue in my book the enemy within i uh the the last chapter um lists a lot of the obvious irregularities and things you would have to swallow to believe that it was a legitimate election. Um, Like Trump got 94% of the Republican vote. 10 million, the only president in history who was an incumbent increased his vote. He got 10 million more votes in the 2020 election uh, than in the 2016 election. And well, they're expected to believe that Joe Biden, who couldn't get a crowd of a hundred people together, where Trump was addressing fifty thousand at a time, they expect us to believe that Joe Biden got sixteen million more votes than Barack Obama at his peak.
1: Come on! I got a bridge to sell you if you believe that. Anyway, that, that's... where, 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 uh, David, where, where does it end? Where does it end?
3: Uh, they will end the country and they will have us in re-education camps if we don't beat them in 2022. In, uh, 20, well, Trump has given a great gift to patriots. He has created mm-hmm. the first conservative mass movement in our history. When I came over from the left 40 years ago. I looked around and I said, where's the grand army? The left has all these organizations, hundreds, maybe thousands of them, uh, attacking politicians, slandering them, and uh, corporations until they get them (laughs) to parrot these leftist uh, agendas, which we've seen a lot of it lately. And Republicans have nothing to reply. Now there's, there's... Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who suddenly are beginning to understand the threat. They need to be in the face, they need to organize and go in the face of these teachers that are indoctrinating the kids and abusing them, teaching little white kids that they're oppressors, uh, teaching little boys and girls that they can change their gender at will. Right. This is such child abuse, but so you know. Until now, there's been no real opposition, but I see it every day. I turn on the tube and uh, look at my, head, you know, on the E-mails. internet, and I see there yeah. are people organizing <clears throat> and fighting it. That that's where it all went. I, I would. Yeah. And,
1: uh, uh, all right, well, David, David, we system. got. I, I got i got to run, unfortunately. I'm out of time, but uh, let me make sure uh, people know The Enemy Within uh, with David Horowitz. That's the newest book. You need to get it, uh, and it's uh, right on time and topical. Thanks, David, as always. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back, and let me make sure to tell you it's The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America. He's worth reading every time, so get that one. We'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back in a moment. (music)
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: Republicans in name only, rhinos, within and outside the RNC are jealous and hateful of Donald Trump because he's everything they're not. Trump speaks the truth which makes him immensely popular with Americans. It's no wonder rival politicians crave the attention that Trump receives. However, any Republican who thinks he has a future by lashing out at Trump is badly mistaken. Forty years ago, a liberal Republican named John Anderson thought he had a political future by opposing Ronald Reagan. But it didn't work out that way. Today, the consequences of rhino infiltration are more dire than ever. The recent horrific car crash of an SUV stuffed full of illegal aliens is another tragic reminder of the harm done by neglecting to build a real wall. Republicans controlled the House and Senate for the first two years of the Trump administration, but rhinos in Congress thwarted progress on building a border wall. Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska takes pot shots at Trump and voted against him in the impeachment proceeding, all while pretending to represent conservatives in Alaska. Trump rightly vowed to travel to that distant state to campaign against her reelection next year with Trump's help. The people of Alaska will finally have the chance to elect someone who will actually defend rather than attack a Republican president. The failed impeachment may have been a ridiculous waste of our nation's time, but one consolation is that it exposed the rhinos who are working against the grassroots future of the GOP. We don't have to wonder who the rhinos are anymore. They made their allegiance clear by betraying Trump, the Constitution, and we the people. Now that we know who they are, it's up to us to take action. First and foremost, the disgraceful Republicans who sided with Democrats against Trump on the unconstitutional impeachment should never receive another dime from Trump supporters. Second of all, every one of them should face a strong and united primary challenge when they next come up on the ballot. Our founding fathers installed plenty of safeguards against politicians who betray their constituents. It's time for grassroots citizens to use them.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, those are some good interviews today. Ted Malik was on fire. His uh, his column is different than usual. He's usually sort of more cerebral. and all. This one's a little edgy, edgy even for Ted. So check that out. I was excited to learn that he's great friends with Joe Johnston, too. What a man that guy is. What a man. Uh, and also that t- David Horowitz interview. Just go to ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, give me a couple hours. We'll get these things posted. You're going to want to listen to these interviews over and over again. David Horowitz, he just maps it out. He just maps it out. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Sometimes he's not right right away, but he's never not wrong. He started writing this book, The Enemy Within, How Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America, which is out right now. He started writing that a year ago. Turns out it's more apropos, more fitting right now. So pretty cool. Check those out. Now, I want to finish by encouraging you to go to Twitter just for the purposes of reading Julie Kelly's Twitter feed, at Julie underscore Kelly, at Julie Kelly underscore Kelly, number two. Okay, it's up in my social media. Because she's, again, on top of a thread of extraordinary importance, which is the behavior of the government in trying to deny the American people from seeing the videos from January 6th. Because in all these prosecutions, hundreds of prosecutions, in Washington, D.C. federal court, the Department of Justice is weighing in and not allowing. There's video cameras all over the Capitol. Everything that was done was videotaped. And we haven't seen any of it as the public. Neither has the press. And so everybody keeps going into court and saying, wait, can we see this? And they're told no. So finally, the judges are saying, well, we got to do something about this. Just go read Julie Kelly, at Julie underscore Kelly, number two. She writes over at American Greatness also. She's written a good piece over there recently about this. But this question of the video evidence is really important. So go and check that out and uh, follow Julie Kelly. She's on the show. She's been on the show many, many times, but she is really... um, really good and really important to follow all right everybody i gotta wrap things up let me say uh, noah is out because it's his birthday our great technical director in his place maybe it's like a, a lou gehrig wally pipp thing Is uh is our new guy and he's doing a great job and thank you uh, chris for your help and uh we will uh you know maybe we'll maybe we'll have let uh, noah back maybe we won't thank you to joanna for booking our guests and uh, everybody have a great weekend we'll be back
0: it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you next week